Flashback. I feel like I have devoted so much of my time this year to discussing this fucking man. And I am so <laughs> sick. I am so sick of thinking about and talking about Elon Musk. Yeah, I was going to say that we've we've spent we've spent a lot of time talking about Elon Musk, much more than I expected at like the beginning of this year. Um, yeah, no more, no more Musk. End of flashback. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ten Thousand Posts. It's the first episode of twenty twenty three. We hope you had a very good New Year. Um, I had a really good one. Uh, and as a result, I now have uh, the flu uh, because I've experienced four different kinds of cold in two different countries. And I have no idea what temperature it is or what I can withstand. Um, but yeah, my name's Hussein. If you haven't, if you, if this is literally the first time you're listening, uh, my name's Hussein and I have the sniffles. Uh, yeah. My name is Phoebe. I don't have the sniffles. And this is why Hussein is currently in quarantine in his house so that he doesn't give me the sniffles. <laughs> Yeah, I'm back in beautiful South London, uh, the best place to quarantine in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, we had. Like, did you uh, just before we introduce our guests? I always ask Phoebe, did you have, did you have a good New Year or did you have a good Christmas, good holiday? I don't know yeah. what we're allowed to call it these days. So we're not allowed to call it anything. Like you just have to kind <laughs> of, you just have to kind of firm your lips into a thin line and just nod. That's the only <laughs> thing that we're allowed to do yeah yeah no it was nice i went i went out on new year's eve for the first Ooh, time okay. in god knows how long no i mean like i mean like i i routinely uh, i routinely go to like like parties or like people's kind of gatherings or mm. whatever but i worked out that i have not been like out out on new year's eve since like 2008 or something but Whoa. it was uh but it was uh yeah it was it was uh it was really fun Nice. I'm glad um, that you had a good time. I'm glad that you had a good you had a great time. I do have a I do have a New Year's gripe though that I'd like to okay. address before okay. we New Year's New Year's grievance. Let's go. A New Year's grievance for 2023. Um also happy New Year to all to all of our listeners. Um I hope it's been I hope it's been a good one. Uh yeah, no, this is this is my gripe. Um I uh, I'm doing dry January this year, like I like I am want to do. And um I and I feel physically really, really good. I haven't been drinking for three days and I look better, I feel better, and I'm absolutely furious because like what is this scam? <laughs> what like what what else have the fucking health people got for us? Because I'm not I am absolutely furious that it is having such a I, marked positive effect. I always feel like very excluded from this because I don't drink and I don't like do drugs and stuff. So there's you no post. like vices. Yeah, well, this is the only thing. It's like, okay, what can you quit? It's like, okay, I can quit posting, which like will no, probably make me feel better. No, you can't though. It's... You can't. You've tried. You, you, yeah. you, sa you said that you weren't going to post after like when, you, during lost my your, holiday, when yeah. you lost your Twitter yeah. account, you said, okay, this has actually reminded me that it's actually really nice not to have my Twitter <laughs> account. Um, so I'm not going to post. And then when you got it yeah, back, you were like, okay, later, maybe yeah. just like one little post, like a little, just like a little one, just like, just, just a little one. Okay. And then I won't do yeah. any while I'm on holiday in Toronto with my wife. And then like pretty much the second you touch down, you, you broke it. So I think you can't do it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Look, my excuse was I had to organize uh, organize uh, guests for the show, including the guest who's with us today, who's been patiently waiting. <laughs> uh, we're joined by the New York Times tech reporter, Mike Isaac. Uh, Mike, how's it going? Uh, and yeah, like, how's uh, how was your new year and Christmas Hi. and all that type of stuff? Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm actually doing a wet January, so I feel very <laughs> bad. <laughs> I'm drinking 24-7 <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, you're drunk right I, now. I am. You know, I got to loosen up. It's 10 a.m. in the in the states to, while yeah. we're recording. Uh, no, I'm good. Um, I I was I weirdly Phoebe. I was thinking about it too. I was like, when was the last time I went out for New Year's? And I think I was in my mid to late 20s, probably, which is like 10 yeah. years ago from for me. And um, went to like bars in San Francisco, and it was fun. But I'm definitely like old now and um, playing video games with the dog and my wife watching um, some crime series on Netflix or whatever. And, and that's how we ring in the new year. And it's great. Yeah, no, that's not that. No, that like that's nice. I mean, like that we were originally going to we were originally going to stay in and then. Um, then one of one then a uh, friend, friend of the show, Milo Edwards, was like, yeah, but should we like go out? <laughs> And I was, I was like, I, <laughs> is that something you can do? Wouldn't it be crazy? Is that, is that still, is that, is that allowed? To, and he's like, yeah, 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 we'll go, we'll go out for a dance. And so that's what we ended up doing. And it was really fun. I'm not, maybe I'll do yeah. that next year. I did. I, I was, I was like, maybe I should go somewhere. Maybe I should do something. So maybe I'll mix it up when I turn 40 or whatever. Yeah. That's what I did. Some, so, so for some business, and the reason why we uh, got Mike on the show is because some stuff happened while we were away. Uh, stuff is always happening when we're away. I hate, I hate that. Um, but no, like while we were sort of wrapping up our last episodes, uh, this thing called the Twitter files dropped, um, and they were like these long threads that, like, we were sort of like, uh, should we do this? Like, do we have to? And initially, we were like, uh, it's not really that interesting. But as the sort of files kind of have gone on and I think are still going on. Um, and we'll sort of get into that in a bit. Uh, it felt like something worth addressing partly because, and just to bear in mind, but like, this is part one of a two-parter because in the second part of this series, uh, we are going to be, or like the bonus episode, at least in this series, uh, we are going to talk about how, uh, Elon's behavior on Twitter is affecting his other companies, including, uh, this little company, uh, known as Tesla. Um, so uh, look out for that. But before we go into, and this actually like it's not even before we get into it. Mike, you kind of sent this to me just before we got on recording, and it, you said that it was like a good precursor to like what we're going to talk about now. Uh, so we ask guests who come on the show, like, hey, is there a post that you are you find really funny or interesting or want to like expand on some more? Um, and you sent me this, and uh, I'm going to read it out, and then we're going to unpack it and sort of see if we can mesh it into the main bit of content mm -hmm. today. So this is from uh, at Stolen Dan's uh, who, uh, yeah, just at Stolen Dan's, uh, seems like a fun account. He goes, um, Elon, uh, this is kind of like a kind of, you know, I don't know what to call it exactly, mini play, Twitter play. So in this case, like Elon, anyone else know, notice how illogical sexual intercourse is uh, with the thumbs, uh, thumb confusing thinking emoji, uh, sunglasses, PFP, uh, profile picture. Sir, can you invent a gun that won't set off the courthouse metal detector? Elon says we're back working on it. Um, this is very funny because I don't know whether he posted, whether he kind of did something like this today or whether he did this like during December. <laughs> but I think Jack Posobiec, who is like a right wing uh, personality in the US, I'm not sure what he does exactly. 
um, kind of said something like, oh, you know, despite buying Twitter blue and like doing all the stuff that Elon kind of says is good, my posts are not getting as much engagement and views as like it used to do yeah. what's going on. And Elon kind of responded almost immediately being like looking into it. Um, bear in mind that like there have been lots of, ever since he took over, there have been lots of glitches and problems and uh, failures, including the one that I talked about, uh, about the, uh, what you call it, two-factor authentication, which uh, yeah. locked me out of my account for a few days and made me into a normal person, God forbid. Um, and like this hadn't been fixed for months. I think now the two-factor authentication might be, but I'm not sure. But in the meantime, Elon is still sort of pulling out wires from servers and kind of <clears throat> saying that's fine. But it's very interesting. Someone pointed out this very interesting how like who he replies to and what problems he views as valid and what isn't. Mm -hmm. um, so Mike, like as the person who sort of brought this to us, uh, yeah, could you unpack it and like uh, tell us why you thought this was funny or interesting? Totally. No, I, I love this tweet because it's like, it really is a mini version of almost every exchange he has on the website, basically. You know, he'll just, <laughs> first of all, his insights aren't particularly insightful and he'll just sort of tweet things that are, um, random in the sense of like Tumblr user random, you know, like, oh, look at this funny thing right. I'm, I'm talking about or whatever, or like kind of like deep Redditor dude. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, and then he sort of becomes like either a sounding board for the latest grievances on the right or, you know, his, um, you know, tens of millions of Twitter followers just sort of ask him for a random thing and he'll be like, oh, looking into it or working on it or like, this is my next thing or whatever. <laughs> and mm. weirdly, you know, I've been told just by folks inside is that he'll actually like send out notes um, asking questions about questions that he gets on Twitter without really any sort of um, direction <laughs> or like guidance uh, or like overarching yeah. like you know, um, like there's no plan basically. And like the, the fastest right. way to get to Elon Musk is to have a blue verified check that you bought from him and reply to him. And he looks at mm -hmm. those replies. It's really wild. Yeah. Um, but there's no like rhyme or reason to what he's acting upon uh, unless it's like someone that he cares about that is um, upset with him, which I also think he doesn't like either. And a lot of those mm. people, sorry, a lot of those people are on the right or just sort of like right leaning or or um, conservatives, at least in the uh, American conservatives for the most part. Um, and the folks he does not reply to are are journalists or like folks like me, like he's never replied to me and goes out of his way to not um, reply to like, quote unquote, official journalists or people at like mainstream publications. Um, but he mm, does yeah. like replying to. Um, large following accounts uh, on the right or just like random smaller accounts that have like um, anime Twitter profile pics or whatever. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. That was my mistake when I got locked out. What I didn't have, I didn't have an anime profile mm -hmm. picture. Um, Not anymore I didn't have the anyway. <laughs> no, I didn't have the Hatsune Miku, which meant <laughs> that he ignored me whenever I was just, whenever I contacted Twitter and was just like, hey, like I can't access because my phone logged out of my account. So yeah, I'll, I'm going to change, I'm going to change my profile picture when we're done with this, just in case it happens again. Do you again. know why that happened? The, uh, the two-factor account? Do you know exactly why? <laughs> I, so I know, a, so I know a story, like the story that I read was that they had fired a bunch of people who were basically like, 
responsible for that because Elon had said something along the lines of like, it was unnecessary. It was like sort of unnecessary bloating and that yeah. it could be done more efficiently. Yeah. I'm not sure how true. So, so I'd be, so what, what did, what did happen? Some of that, that? No, that, some of that is correct. And then the other part too was he, so he's been on this rampage to cut costs across the company because, um, largely because of his own making, because he overpaid for it and the debt, the debt he's in is, um, costing him a billion dollars a year in interest payments alone, if you even just ignore the the repaying the debt itself. Um, so right. he's got to just slash costs. And one of those costs that he sort of homed in on was uh, the carrier services around the world that they pay for like text messages. And two-factor is one of those ways that people get um, text messages through mm. Twitter, right? Like you get a, me- a message right. that verifies your number. And he's just like, oh, let's turn this off. It'll save us millions of dollars or whatever. And, you know, didn't, and, and he fired all the security folks who would have told him this is a fucking stupid (laughs) idea because a lot of people need to stay safe on their accounts. So it's just like exactly what you said, unplugging switches and, and, and plugs, and then finding out that he broke something that he probably shouldn't break basically. I mean, this is, this is literally what happened on, on Christmas day when um, (laughs) I was allowed allowed on my own with my partner's new rice cooker and I started pressing buttons <laughs> I started pressing buttons on it and then it started making a weird beeping noise <laughs> so he kind of runs in and, and was like right out you go out you go for a walk you need to <laughs> need to burn need to burn off burn off some energy um my rice so cooker plays so twinkle, I twinkle, twinkle, little star yeah so does ours oh, do you have it's a so yeah it's really really it's really really cute it looks like a little kind of little kind of robot fella that sits on the counter and the rice is perfect like i can't believe i don't know what we're doing with our lives before this before we had the right before we had the rice cooker uh yeah so i have a i have a certain sympathy with (laughs) with the just push buttons until something either works or something breaks um Maybe less so in a kind of in a kind of sociocultural way, because I think that's because that's because that's that's part of it. And that's and we keep we keep stressing this. Um, It's it's not very interesting to spend so much of our lives kind of digging into the kind of imagined psychology of Elon Musk, uh, because I think it's I think it's very easy to to kind of fall into the same trap that his super fans do. And assume that there's sort of more going on than than what is presented mm. <laughs> to us. Because I actually, uh, I actually don't think he is an especially dishonest person. He is dishonest in a business sense. He is dishonest in, um, as far as we can tell, he is deeply dishonest uh, in his personal life. But when it comes to how he portrays himself and what he wants to put over, I think that we can probably take a great deal of it at, at face value. Is that he is that what he is interested in is presenting himself as a kind of rebel iconoclast. He's sort of one of the he's sort of one of the few uh few kind of big big tech rich people who still who sort of still kind of flying the move fast and break things ethos. The rest of them aren't. The rest of them are getting on with uh, consolidating their stranglehold on the infrastructure. That's what the rest of them are doing. Like Jeff Bezos doesn't care about moving fast and breaking stuff. Zuckerberg's not caring about moving mm. fast and breaking well, stuff. Yeah. They're settling down to say, okay, so how can we how can we turn ourselves 
into as much not just like digital infrastructure but digital landscape which people uh people rely on to mediate their lives to mediate their mm. social lives to med- mediate their work lives to mediate their political lives how are we going to get on with doing that and elon because he's sort of the little loser who's not allowed in the treehouse um is still being like oh yeah we're yeah we're the we're the bad kids but if you look at what his actual <laughs> approach to uh particularly to uh regulation and the politics around digital culture they're deeply conservative he is um he's always been very supportive of uh say uh the uh say the kind of the eu's very uh, kind of stringent interest in there being it being absolutely fine for there to be kind of state interference in uh in public speech on social media which i mean people can pretend that this affects the right more than it affects the left but that's bollocks um that's that's like a fiction which we don't which we have which serves nobody to kind of to buy into but so when he's there kind of you know nodding along with like uh with like kind of American conservatives and saying like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's the woke mind virus. Yeah, I don't talk to journalists because I'm a blogger and I'm on Nine Gag. Like, it's it's not because I like I. And this is not a def- this is not a defense of him at all. But I really do think that he is somebody who buys fully into the principle that. If everyone's got something to say about you, that's when you know that you're the real rebel. That's when you know that you're the real <laughs> iconoclast. And if you're if you're amplifying what you think of as all different sides, then that is the way that you become a smart guy. And despite the fact that he has successfully um, stolen other people's ideas, uh, leveraged. Uh, leveraged environmental policies uh to enrich himself beyond you know beyond the wildest imagination of of most people even though this is all something that he's been able to do he's still never been treated like a smart interesting guy and this is how he thinks that you become a smart interesting guy he think he thinks it's some weird mixture of the salon but also <laughs> the cool kids mm. and who he thinks because he thinks the posters are the cool kids that's why when he sees a post he likes he doesn't like he owns twitter he don't know where the retweet button is and he steals he steals the, he steals the so memes <laughs> and he crops out the username <laughs> and posts them himself it's so cute he's <laughs> such a loser he's such an incredible loser um and like and I and, and like honestly, I think at this point, whether or not he actually does hold fascist beliefs mm. is more or less immaterial because he, if you embol if you embolden and act as a useful idiot for a fascist, then you, you then what then what difference does it make? Totally. Genuinely, what difference does mm. it make at, at, at this point? But I think so much of it is down to like he's just finally been given his own forum mm. to play with. He is the mod. And no one fights with the mod, except digital culture has evolved past that. And now no one respects the mod. People think of the mod as the loser hall monitor. Yeah. So he's 
still getting the he's still getting the wedgies he's still getting slammed in the locker and he's still getting slammed in the locker and i think that's that's what so much of this comes down to so when you have stuff like the twitter files which like by the way i'm really interested to hear what you think about this mike because mm. it's such to me it's such a wonderfully like embarrassing portentous thing to call them <laughs> like oh mm -hmm. this is the twitter files this is woodward and bernstein this is the <laughs> panama papers it's like <laughs> No, it isn't. This is boring internal comms. This is what this is. This is boring internal comms that literally every single company has. You imagine sitting down to like your kind of, kind of your local like stationery supplier or whatever and reading every single email that this company sends each other. That's functionally what the Twitter files are. But he's got this kind of like gang of gang of kind of like again, interesting, like interesting personalities who've sort of who've tried their hands at other stuff and they've kind of clearly decided that the musk retinue is a is the is a good next step for them um and some of them are so stupid that they don't understand what it is they're reading yeah and this is what, and this is, and this is where, this is where we want it. This is where we really want to hear from from you because I know you've combed mm. through all of this material, so you don't, so we don't have yeah. to, which we're very, very grateful for. Uh, but, but yeah, the one that really, that really struck me was when um, Barry Weiss was doing her, was doing her very kind of, very kind of, like honestly, like it was. It had a very kind of it was Rebecca Vardy's account <clears throat> vibe to it. Like no one was actually paying attention to this stuff. It's just like this feels boring mm. and irrelevant. This feels like you've been this feels like an like this feels like an influencer who has been teasing something very exciting. And then it just turns out that they're like coming out with like a range of like branded notebooks. <laughs> and mm. that's that's, that's all it, that's hey, all sometimes, it was. <laughs> sometimes, look, I'm a stationary. Like, sometimes that can be exciting, right? Maybe it we should be. do some 10K bullet journals. I would love that. <laughs> genuinely, don't, don't, don't entertain that because notes. I will genuinely like, <laughs> yeah, I will genuinely like make a field note, 10K post field notes, which will include like various sections on like your favorite posts and how to sort of archive them manually. Like, yeah, I'm, okay. I'm sort of half joking that. What I was actually going to say, well, yeah, because like the influencer thing is quite funny just in the sense of like, it turns out to sort of be like a room, one of those weird room lights that doesn't work or... <laughs> Um, or like, you know, the kind of, uh, those influencer thing, those influencer like merchandise that ends up like being quite harmful, like to your health physically or whatever. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think before, yeah. So like, this is actually a good way to sort of segue into, um, the actual files themselves yeah. because, and the reason why I sort of brought that tweet up, oh, I thought that tweet was quite the last thing I was going to say before oh, I started about the one that just really struck me was the one where, oh, Barry, Barry Weiss. God love her. God love her. Like she's co apparently not at the University of Austin. Austin is that what it was? Austin, Austin University. Not the. Oh. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> one of those is an actual yeah. school. One of them is yeah. an actual school, and one of them is the pretend school that they set up, which, as far as I can tell, is just a university that you can pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to yeah. and never hear a pronoun that's as far <laughs> as i can tell no, yeah okay yeah so it's called so as far it, as i can tell 
It's called the University of, like that one is the University of Austin. It's a, a, a proposed, so it's, it hasn't even been, been properly established because the Wikipedia page anyway says it is still a proposed American private liberal arts college, <laughs> um, but is still currently seeking accreditation uh, and is also securing a site in the Austin area. So like, I don't know where they did their first sort of like, thing from but it certainly wasn't the college it's okay. out it's out it's like out in like the it's out in the desert it's like near where someone has like definitely seen the dead body of an alien that's where the university of austin is uh, so yeah so that seems to have fallen through so she's kind of chosen another route uh, it's not another route to go mm. down and one of the things that she uh, suggested was um was a uh, was evidence of um of kind of writ of like nefarious uh nefarious doings uh within uh, within this private company which up until this point the argument has always been it's a private company they can do what they like mm. um that's not the argument anymore apparently uh but one of the things that she said was oh this is this is proof that um that right-wing accounts are being are being shadow banned and the the thing that she posted said literally the opposite of that it said that it what it said in so many words was that certain accounts were uh, deemed to be ring fenced from moderation mm. so they were like mm. the opposite of they were like they were like the whatever the opposite of shadow band is like light boosted that's that's what these accounts were so it, so even what was supposed to be this kind of crushing indictment of uh of the of the of the woke mind virus infecting infecting twitter before elon took over uh was not didn't say that at all so i don't know whether they can't read or whether they can't <laughs> interpret what they read um but yeah so that was my uh, so that was that was that was my that was my favorite bit of the uh, of the so-called of the so-called twitter files Hussein, did you want to set something up? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I was just going to say, like, I was going to say this was like, this is a good way to sort of, um, the tweet that you mentioned is a good way to sort of segue into an overview of the files yeah. because I think, like, you know, part of what the tweet sort of implies is kind of Elon's very, uh, I don't, because again, I don't want to give him too much credit, but like, it's very clear who he sort of listens to or like who he kind of feels is more influential in terms of like how he wants to sort of set his agenda on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, and the Twitter file sort of seemed to be an extension of that. Um, now I haven't like admittedly, like I've read some of it, but I haven't read all of it. Sure. Um, in my defense, I was kind of on holiday. So even though I was online, I wasn't as online as I usually would be. Um, so don't get mad at me for that. So I read some of like the Matt Taibbi files and, and maybe this is like kind of a good way to sort of get into it. Right. Because like, um, <clears throat> So I, I guess the first question or the first thing is to bear in mind is like, what are the Twitter files and how did they come to be? Um, the, the Twitter files sort of imply that like, oh, this might have been like a rogue employee who kind of leaked some documents to uh, this brave band of Substack journalists who are like the independent reporters and like the whole kind of like, you know, NSA Glenn Greenwald vibe. Totally. But it wasn't. Elon Musk gave these files to like select people and... The people themselves, and Mike, I'd love to sort of like get your thoughts on this because the people themselves who got the files are quite interesting. So obviously mm -hmm. we've mentioned that like Barry Weiss got some files and there's some very, even though the Barry Weiss files are kind of boring, like in terms of how she interprets them is like are fairly boring and also broadly inaccurate. Yeah. But how, like 
the stuff around what she was doing to get those files, I think are quite interesting. But just as like an overview uh, from what I saw, like the files have so far been kind of commented on and gone through by three people. Uh, no, four people. So you have Matt Taibbi, who is a kind of broadly sort of substack guy now, but used to sort of be at Rolling Stone um, and kind of has been on sort of like the journalism scene for a while. Um, you have Michael Schellenberger, who I've never really heard Ugh. of, and I don't know whether like he's more famous in America, but he's um, yeah. he's a San Francisco guy who basically is leaning into like um, hard right sort of, well, I would say right. like right leaning sort of like um, tough on crime, criminalizing homelessness, just sort of like a very Ah, sort of um, this new wave of techies who um, hate poverty and hate homelessness in San Francisco. And he's saying um, that he's a solutionist around that, but it's very, um, very much of a certain point of view. (laughs) Right. And then we have Lee Fang from The Intercept, who you had mentioned, like of all the files sort of like had kind of, certain stuff that was interesting and noteworthy and probably worth paying attention to. And then you have Barry Weiss, who uh, is Barry Weiss. Uh, (laughs) I mean, like the thing to bear in mind, just before we sort of go through some of the files in a bit more detail, the reason why I say the stuff around Barry Weiss getting the files is quite interesting was because from what I read, like she kind of came, well, actually this is from her blog. I just want to read this thing that uh, uh, from her blog, because I thought this was quite funny. So she wrote... At dinner time on December 2nd, I received a text message from Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, founder of SpaceX, founder of The Boring Company, founder of Neuralink, and on most days, the richest man in the world, possibly history. Uh, and uh, and as of October, the owner of Twitter, uh, he said, was I interested in looking at Twitter's archives? And how soon could I get to Twitter HQ? Um, she then posted some pictures, like or like some pictures were posted by, I think, one of like Twitter's more executive people now, but is someone who I understand has been working with Elon for a long time. But it kind of implied that Barry Weiss had been given a job at Twitter that wasn't necessarily a job, but kind of was. Like she was given a laptop. She was given access to all the sort of Slack communications and internal logs of Twitter. um, And was basically kind of told that she could do, or she could interpret whatever she wanted from them. But within like a kind of, and this is also the other thing too, and maybe uh, I'll, 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 I'll let you sort of like take over uh, after this point, which was just to bear in mind that all these files kind of focus on a very narrow set of subjects. Yeah. Um, so they range from just kind of these broader things around like how do Twitter moderate, how does Twitter moderate users, but usually that means right wing users. And then there are a lot of files around January 6th and Donald Trump's account. And then you have like Lee Fang, who is kind of talking about Twitter psyops and kind of like the how sort of the security services have kind of had a presence on Twitter, which again, like is interesting and worth talking about. Now it seems that the the new batch of files that are emerging are going to be about COVID, although I haven't seen much on that just yet. Mm. Um, so that's sort of like how I saw the overview, but I guess Mike, as someone who has actually read through the files, uh, could you give us like more information as to like what they are? Like, you know, how did, and how do you also think that like, these people kind of got them. Why do you like, do you have a theory as to why like Elon Musk chose these particular, this particular group of people to give these internal logs? Totally. To? I mean, uh, so Twitter files, just, just to your point earlier, right off the bat, they were like, all right, we have to have something with like a sort of cultural oomph for impact. And we got to like mm. brand it. I mean, it's not a mistake that, um, 
last last year the Facebook files was a thing and like um you know right. Panama like exactly like it's in that vein. So they wanted the framing automatically to be this big revelation. Um it is also not a mistake that all of the people he chose all those four folks share you know, similar politics, I guess I would say. And like, like I think speech and like the idea that um, the, the, really the false idea that the right is being silenced or unheard and that the mainstream media is, is woke and against him um, is the biggest problem that we have. And, and these sort of, um, you know, outlaws or outcasts or whatever are going to be the ones to sort of rail against rail against that and show you uh, um, how um, the platforms are conspiring against uh, conservatives. I guess um, I think it's super funny that he chose Barry Weiss, who every time I think of Barry, who used to be a colleague of mine, um, I think of her mm-hmm. piece on Australia being a cool and chill place with no yes. culture wars because everyone just yes. goes to the beach, which is the fucking yeah. best post I've ever read of how stupid it was. Well, <laughs> I when when we were in Australia, like me and the Trash Future guys were in Australia recently, I sent I sent this post to Nate and I was just like, <laughs> maybe because like we enjoyed Australia so much, but also like we were so insulated from like the political culture or just like daily life there that we just had a great time. And I was just like, yeah, I can totally understand why Barry Barry Weiss had spent one week in Australia and come up and come up with this as like a, a like po- poignant analysis. It was literally her like, well, the time sent me to Australia. I got to write something. I was at Bondi Beach. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> seems, seems pretty chill. Seems like yeah. there's no, it feels like there's no <laughs> culture war on this beach. So. It does. It's, it's, it's incredible. Well, yeah, but I mean, I went to the beach once and there definitely is a culture war in terms of like, surfers like sure. different surfing groups who are like have beef with each other that would have been more interesting um, honestly if i would have read yeah. this book, the politics of surfing um but so he, what like a kind of like a kind of taxonomy from like the kind of the start of a teen film where it describes all the different groups of kids in the cafeteria <laughs> but it's australian surfers oh my god that's actually I'd read that i would read that i would read that too that would have been more credulous than more credible than whatever she produced, but he, she's not a, a journalist in the sense that she's not a reporter. Like that, like this is, right, and, and yeah. I think she would, I, I don't know her, but I think she would probably admit that to some degree because she came on as opinion journalist uh, or opinion writer. And all of her pieces uh, were largely picked apart, even beyond her politics, just being pretty lazy. So like, I think, um, of the group of folks who were involved in this, the only real, reporter was probably Lee Fang, whose politics I don't really like either, but I still think he, if you go through and look at how they were all presented, Fang's piece, A, actually was written up in The Intercept along with um, these Twitter threads that everyone has been forced to do by Elon, and B, has, (laughs) you know, more... real sort of journalistic standards around it, like disclosing what the terms were, you know, how the process went, you know, what what they did and did not agree to. And Taibi doesn't disclose that stuff. He tells his readers to trust him. Barry doesn't probably even know enough to disclose that stuff, despite trying to start a new media outlet. Um, the Schellenberger guy is... He's like a weird wild card who also sort of jibes with their politics, but he definitely didn't do any disclosures, not a real like journalist. And I think part of that is the point, too, because they also don't want people like me or like, quote unquote, real journalists, you know, to to sort of Mm -hmm. dig through this stuff. But 
just Phoebe, to your point earlier, a lot of what was disclosed is the daily, you know, sort of um, ins and outs of what content moderation looks like, you know? Right. And if I am being generous, the value in stuff like this is that the public doesn't see how it works, but that doesn't, I, I think they oversold the clandestine nature on purpose, you know, just because they were like, this is how they're conspiring against you. And I think there's value in showing um, for people who are really super interested in how these decisions are made. Sure. Like uh, transparency can be a good thing and you mm-hmm. can go and look how how they sort of decide this stuff. And um, from what we saw in the papers that were disclosed, the adults seemed like they were having reasonable conversations and around this, um, right. you know, around the um, Hunter Biden stuff, they were like, well, you know, is this hack? Do we actually have any sort of um, evidence that this was the case, you know, and people pushing back against that? And if you read them without the context of the sort of Fox News headlines that each of their tweets had um, and just sort of read them in a vacuum of like, okay, this is what it is. It's like these are adults having agreements or disagreements and trying to sort out what should and should be up. Um And I think that's fine. I think that's fine to read through. I don't, I think they sort of oversold it, but like if you put that stuff out there, um, sure, people can read through it. But of course, you know, most people, 99% of people who look at this stuff don't read it. They read the tweets, they read the sort of inflammatory framing that these um, folks were sort of putting out there and they think they, it sort of confirms their priors, which is the the Twitter um, hates Republicans and is trying to, sort of, uh, uh, go, you know, keep um, damning information about Hunter Biden, which, again, not not exactly, you know, state <laughs> state secrets. Um, but they're very fixated on the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, too, because that's the most public example of where they feel they were wronged and censored and could sort of keep coming back to it. So I yeah, I think it's like this. um the other, the other thing I think that plays into it, too, is like Elon has very serious business problems and realized once he got under the hood that Twitter is deeply used by a very small section of people like us, basically. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. most normal people do not fucking use Twitter. They see tweets like through like TV or on Facebook or on Instagram, but they don't get on Twitter all the time. Yeah. And he realizes right. that most people are not posters and he needs more people to become posters, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think like one of the things that, cause like, again, I didn't read through all of them, but I read through, I think like more than I would have liked to. And I think the point about like the sort of internal logs, especially the ones that Barry had kind of screenshot and posted were these kind of like, it reminded me a lot of like the days when I was a moderator on like, you know, your Reddit for your, your like, you know, your subreddits mm. and uh, in my case, like the student room.com. And, uh, <laughs> wow. and uh, wow. God, there was a, I mean, I mean, there was a lot of drama in there, but that was the thing. It was very much just like having to have these bizarre conversations about like what kind of posts kind of at that time, it was like the language wasn't necessarily about like what posts call, you know, were kind of inherently violent or like what could kind of, you know, be sort of the, I think the way in which we talk about kind of posting now is different, but mm-hmm. back then it was like what ones would sort of disrupt the community. So like, you know, interpreting kind of community standards which were given to which was given to every moderator at the time um but like 
they weren't like particularly rigid. It was very much this idea that like ultimately as moderators, you sort of know what is healthy for your community mm-hmm. and like, mm-hmm. you know, collaboratively you'd sort of come together. And like, you know, there'd be lots of disagreements and lots of very long sort of threads about like whether a post or, where, or whether a poster was kind of causing disruption or, you know, whether that was sort of like an overreach and kind of, you know, these things that... I spent a lot more time doing because I didn't have a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> basically, that's what it came down to. Basically, that's what it came down to. Like, and, now you know, you, and now you got um, a wife, so you don't need to mod. That's yeah, that's yeah, uh, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I, wanna, like, I wonder how much. I wonder how much of that is. So, like, sorry, I just what just having it. Just having a little thought. Just having a little yeah, thought here. I just wonder how much of this is um, is expressive of how the just the the concept of community standards has been perverted by silicon valley um mm. and how much and how much of it uh how much of it is uh is sort of culturally out is sort of culturally out of step with um with their kind of stated goals and ethos when it comes to community standards and how incredibly out of line that is with uh the real uh with the real outcomes so i know that google don't use don't be evil anymore because mm. uh i suppose they just like, you know we can't we can't stand by this this is this is making us look like dickheads at this point um but that but that was very much i, I remember this very much being a feature of the kind of the rise of uh, the rise of silicon valley as being a kind of element of the public consciousness not just as something that's going to uh, be in charge of tech and the technological future, but that was going to be that was going to save the world. That's what we were told. We mm-hmm. were told that these guys would be coming up with the solutions, the solutions to the climate emergency, the solutions to poverty, the solutions to uh, uh, to political and social breakdown. All of it was going to be these technological solutions, and all of it was wrapped up in this kind of distorted facsimile of there being community standards mm. and there weren't any it was all it was all bollocks and i think that just to what you were saying a little bit earlier <clears throat> after all of them kind of grew up in a sense or a lot of the tech moguls became they their 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 empires grew, became huge they started mm. to some of them at least um, recognize you know how to operate within the system what the boundaries are what the rules are how to deal with Washington um, and how to sort of uh, the, the nuts and bolts of like daily work and expanding your company and becoming essentially becoming old tech, becoming like, you know, one could argue Facebook is becoming more like IBM or, or HP over the years once you get as bloated as you are. And I think that's some of the appeal of Elon, who is literally deeply emotional in how he acts and reacts to things a lot of the time. And I think there's something attractive to people like Zuckerberg or Bezos who see that and feel constrained in some ways by their position, but also wish they had the admiration of, of uh, the, t- the tech nerd masses and really the masses that, that Elon does in a lot of ways, or at least let's say pre-Twitter Elon does. Um, and just sort of can still do this um, bucking of, of, of popular, whatever, popular beliefs, popular mm-hmm. knowledge, or like act in a way that maybe they wanted to in their early days. But to your point, like a lot of this stuff is um, out of step with reality or just, uh, you know, illy planned out. And once you like get to a network at scale and decide to come in and just um, 
throw a bunch of monkey wrenches into stuff, it's hard to see that working out very well for them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's this whole thing has just been. Uh, and I was saying this earlier before we started, like it's been very difficult for us to to cover in a way that is feels responsible or feels like you can cut through and understand what's going on here. Um, the last part, the Lee Fang stuff, basically gets into how Twitter kind of cooperated with the U.S. government in ways that I think are kind of interesting and, and aided mm-hmm. um, security agencies um, uh, on like sort of domestic uh uh, programs to manipulate social media, which, you know, is something that social media companies say they are against uh, in other countries. So it gets this sort of like um, digital nationalism, right? Or like, are the social, are American social media companies supposed to be on America's side? Or are they really, you know, do they posture as uh, um, just platforms with no sort of allegiance, but uh, in in behind the scenes, they're actually helping Americans more than they are other countries. And that I actually think is worth looking at and discussing, especially if they're being manipulated by um, the CIA, but not in a like Area 51 alien sort of way, but more just mm-hmm. sort of like a rote way of, of being used to uh, to further American interests in different ways. But like... Yeah. That was mm. like, I would say, an exception to most of the shit that we had to wade through, basically, uh, and and cut through whether it was a big deal or not. And I don't, I just, I don't, you know. And I think a lot of this is to drum up to get people to use Twitter yeah. in a way they haven't before. Like the, sh- the shitty, embarrassing grandsons of the Dulleses. <laughs> That's right. I think like the other thing, yeah. I I think like because like. Yeah, you like the belief belief and like findings are really interesting. Partly, and one thing I was thinking about was also just the way in which, and we've spoken about this on the show, like on in previous episodes, about the way in which social platforms and Twitter in particular, um, <clears throat> often like outsourcing their kind of security and moderation, especially when it comes to extremist activity, to uh, think tanks and organizations. Mm. You know, and they'll sort of produce reports where like, yeah, we found a bunch of these fake accounts, or we found like a bunch of these accounts that are coming from you know, uh, so like kind of shady areas and they're sort of like promoting propaganda and Twitter will take that report and they'll sort of act on it and they'll kind of, and they'll use that to sort of show that like, you know, yeah, we are protecting our users, but also we're very much against like propaganda on our platform. Mm. So, you know, we work collaboratively with like misinformation organizations, fact-checking organizations in order to do that. And like what was interesting about like, you know, some of the things that Lee found was like the kind of evidence that actually Twitter knew all along, like in a lot of cases, what was going on and like the way in which they sort of like play off certain organizations against each other while sort of presenting themselves as being like a kind of unbiased organization. I think that's like worth noting. And like, it's one of the things in the files that is like actually very interesting and seems like obfuscated by just the sheer amount of like, slack conversations about january the 6th yes. yeah. and i was like thinking again about like the stuff you were talking about in terms of what elon kind of wants and what he needs in order to make the platform successful the idea that like you need more posters and you also need more people to care about how twitter actually works and like you know if you're like a moderator or if you're like an online nerd like us mm. like we care about like how moderation systems work and we care about how platforms work and like all those types of things mm. but like most normal people don't have that much investment because they don't and rightly they don't want the skin in the game and so but like for a lot of the kind of like right wing uh influences like media apparatus who now kind of like 
you know, for lack of a better term, like own a social media platform. Mm. They really need people to care about like the inner workings. But that seems to be, there seems to be a contradiction in terms of like needing people to do that while also having to accept the fact that like moderating a platform is really, really, moderate, moderating a forum is really boring. Mm. It's like really boring stuff. And like people and the people who do it, you know, should really be, in my opinion, they should really be doing something. Like I care about moderators a lot, but like also, again, as like someone who used to do a lot of moderation, um, I would have much rather been doing other things. Um, and so like, and this sort of seems to be the problem. It's like, you need people to like care about how these platforms function. Um, but in order to do that, you can't kind of zero in on like, you, you can't rely on the narratives that are just along the lines of like woke Twitter employees are like preventing yeah. Republicans from speaking. And they like, you know, forcibly got rid of Trump's account due to ideological reasons, not least because like the screenshots don't show that, but what if anything, like the fact that there are free batches of files entirely like filled with conversations on what conversate on, on like what, how people were talking during, like in the run up to January 6th kind of goes to show that actually like this is quite good moderation. In fact, if anything, yeah. like they're sort of too busy talking about the specifics and the semantics to really take action until much later on. Yes. Um, and so it sort of feels like the interesting and important stuff that really affects everyone in terms of like, you know, the surveillance apparatus of Twitter or like its relationships to organizations that rely on private social media companies to enact surveillance and like all these kind of intersections with the criminal justice system and international justice systems. They seem to just be overshadowed by like the grievances. And this is sort of where I'm kind of not necessarily confused about what Elon's trying to do, but wondering whether like those types of dispatches are really ways in which to kind of, if people sort of kind of point at these files and they're like, oh, you've kind of, you know, the only reason this was done was for Elon to sort of exert like whatever grievances he still has or like playing to his base and stuff. But he can point to those files and be like, oh no, actually like, I was, you know, I, I really want full transparency, which is to say that like, is the important stuff just kind of being used as, you know, fodder for, Elon's kind of continued ideological like vassals with his own opponents. I think no, I think that's right, and I think I think the, I, honestly, I feel like he made a very strategic or a very, um, very big strategic mistake in the sense that it kind of echoes right wing politics in the U.S. at least, which is you always are going to be the um, you always need an antagonist that's sort of like oppressing or suppressing you, right? And once you sort of take over. The institution and and say I'm rooting out the corruption and I'm doing right by you, um, then your audience, you know, no longer has something to rail against, uh, or, or or rather, the problems that still exist, which are you know, oh my fucking tweets aren't getting the engagement I would like, or no one's liking them, or whatever. It, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm an idiot or that I, my posts are bad. It has to do with some sort of conspiracy. Well, if Elon's running it, now he's starting to see folks like turn on him slowly and like the Soviets mm -hmm. of the world being like, why are my posts still getting sort of downranked or whatever? And it, he, I think he probably enjoyed Twitter the most when he wasn't in charge of it, basically, when he could just like mess around and not be the, yeah. the person who had to answer for these problems. And, um, so now he's he's even tweeted as much as like he's like chief complaint officer or whatever, you know, dealing with all this crap. And like, mm. I don't know why I I genuinely don't know why he wanted to buy it beyond like just sort of his frustrations with how it bothered him personally, which is also a very 
sort of narcissistic view of the world. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's like it's it's kind of a mess. I I think he's real desperate in a lot of different ways. Part of me kind of wonders if he sells it. Um, at a steep loss within the next year or a few years, basically. But um, he's kind of backed himself into a corner in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think that's. I th- yeah, I think that's completely right. I mean, I think we can't we can't ignore the fact that there is also an element of this, uh, particularly the way in which the files were expressed, which uh, painted a target on individual twitter employees back totally and mm, even yeah. though a lot of it is like a lot of the way it's framed in like i said earlier in this kind of very sort of kind of portentous uh way and making it sound like it making it sound like this is real kind of this is real uh the you know jfk files being released stuff but it's it's <laughs> sort of just sort of just not um but there obviously was a concerted attempt to uh to drive harassment of individual twitter employees um i don't think the ones that they chose were an accident because Mm. um musk may not be a smart guy um but he is he is a showboat and he knows how to play to his gallery and he knows who to direct anger towards and one wonders in the future whether he will uh whether he will regret this because he doesn't seem to command the same kind of uh the same kind of respect that a serious a seriously kind of charismatic individual does he doesn't seem to be able to um, like there, there are obviously there are there are Musk super fans who think that everything he does is a kind of sure. is like a kind of chess move. Um, so like there are people who are saying no 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 he bought Twitter and is deliberately breaking it uh, because if he deliberately <laughs> breaks it then he doesn't have to pay back any of the leveraged loans off the Tesla stock and that will and that will then pump the tesla stock and make him like not just like a billionaire but like a gajillionaire zillionaire <laughs> and like maybe president of the world and mm. maybe god so that so that's what yeah. like you can't deal with them they're cooked they're not they're not they're not they're not worth engaging with but he doesn't Trust the plan baby that's what i'm always saying but he doesn't have this he doesn't have uh the same kind of core uh core base that will do anything to uh to reimagine what he does as uh, as evidence of great intelligence or for that matter of you know knowing what's going on like not really in the way that really in the way that trump does he doesn't he just Mm. doesn't have that and he will and he may and he may uh he may regret uh attempting to marshal this particular audience because if they turn on him then he then he sort of is in trouble um, particularly since I don't think that he bought Twitter to run it into the ground because people were mean about his posts. Um, I think that, I think somewhere, mm-hmm. I think somewhere he thinks that he is a great poster and totally. he is so consistently terrible at it. He's, <laughs> he is like, 
He's so <laughs> consistently the one kid in your class who's still doing like doing the bit after everyone else is sick of the bit. He's like he's still like he's still doing like his little kind of like nine gag posts. He's still like <laughs> he's still like sidling up to girls and being like, so you know I'm the moderator and the girls just being like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, you're the moderator. Cool. Um biggest mistake. Cool. Uh so I don't think he's doing it. To, I don't think he's doing it as people are mean about his posts. I don't think he's doing it because all he wants is for uh shit posters to think he's one of them and to think he's cool and funny. I don't think it's that. I think that he wanted to by a media organ. I think that's what he wanted to do. Mm. And um I think that his his new fan base, his kind of newly minted fan base, are very pleased to be reported on and to be taken mm. seriously by uh by the mainstream media and to be able to use Twitter as a recruitment tool i mean i think that i I said this in the last episode last time we talked about this but it's what it's it's worth repeating until until quite recently it was really really hard for the hard right to organize Mm. um Mm. like or certainly for like near like something like like neo-fascists were to organize like they were they were not treated well by their by their communities like you start you start like you're know, handing out your little pamphlets. You get you get you get you get, you get run out of town. Ta- you get run out of town. People don't people do not care for it. People are not hosting this shit at the community center. Mm-hmm. Um, and platform social media uh, allowed them to make to build recruiting networks yeah. and to. Uh, and to use these kind of, you know, multiple layers of kind of sort of illegible irony and uh, and other kind of oh, it's just a joke, it's just a joke. And it's, well, how are you supposed to know the difference between a joke fascist and a and a fascist fascist? Like they're mm. if they're saying the same stuff, then it really is a lot of time and energy trying to work out who is the irony fascist and who isn't. That why why would you do that? Why not just <laughs> think well. I'm just going to assume that assume that I can take you at your at your value again. You know, people have lives to live. You can't spend all of your time going down someone's timeline, going like, "Oh, oh no, wait, oh no, wait." This is ironic. <laughs> this is ironic because irony. it was. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's irony, but then again, I don't even know. I don't even know. And this is definitely something that, like, that I, I that I've noticed with uh, with the kind of the newly minted kind of fascist like fascist kind of super fans of musk on twitter is just how much sort of more pathetic and desperate they seem Mm. and like so much more like so much less and maybe this is like maybe this is like incredible hubris but so much less like frightening really like Um, so much more just like kind of like keep yeah weird obsessive losers being like oh yes so uh so so i suppose i'm not supposed to notice the the over representation it's just like oh shut up why are you so obsessed (laughs) stop being so stop being so obsessed maybe go i think like one of the yeah (laughs) one of the funniest things about seeing especially in the past like few weeks is like i and again like this this could also because everyone's timelines are now like completely fucked up 
um, and we're seeing posts of people that we don't follow, who don't follow us, and you're sort of wondering, hmm, why is why why is that there all of a sudden? Um, mm-hmm. And like, what, but one of the funny things that the new timelines have sort of presented to me, a lot of Musk fans who are kind of like, we paid you the eight dollars, and we still haven't got our blue check, or you know, we 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 were looking forward to you taking over, but now Twitter's worse, and like, <laughs> I see more but i don't you know and it's like they'll sort of say things like i don't see the post which i want which in you know as we have mentioned many times they want to see more libs to get mad at Mm. but instead what they're seeing are like meme accounts or like the sort of like what you call it aggregate accounts that do you know i there was a few that i kind of found today one which was just called spooky ships uh which uh you know that's spooky spooky ships on uh on uh on water there was another uh that was called something like uh things that your grandma might like and it was mostly sort of crocheting videos i thought that was quite nice, yeah, uh, I, nice. I, I did bookmark that yeah. yeah but it's like all these but i think you know and you know this kind of amusing to sort of see in some ways but i imagine for lots of like real musk heads who kind of wanted to see a twister where they could own the chuds have a blue check and like get a tesla like at a discount for being nice maybe, you know, maybe, ha- maybe like- if we like your posts will you give us a car <laughs> or yeah, a rocket well, will well, you actually, give me a rocket but actually, right but like apparently if you do buy a cyber truck you do get a blue check for life i don't know whether that's fake or whether that's Joe real Fox. i'm choose i i'm choosing to believe it's real because i think that's very oh funny God. um and if and if and if any of you misinformation uh analysts like <laughs> call me up on that i'll apologize but only in private um but which is to, but which is to say that like he's kind of fucked this up on like a, such a technical level that like and i wonder whether that kind of contributes to the lack of impact that these sort of like files have had right mm. um because you know because like the whole because the whole system is broken on a very technical level and it's not the case of like people are sort of seeing more political posts that they don't like or that they're seeing like certain types of like posters that had been banned and are now kind of like running rampant instead like you're just sort of getting this weird very weird amalgamation of like you know something akin to like almost facebook your facebook call where Mm -hmm. you're sort of like familiar with some of it but you're also kind of wondering how why am i seeing this stuff and why is this page that i liked like eight years ago now like at the top of my feed but like you know the whole even sort of any premise of like the problem with twitter is ideological doesn't really make much sense and so even if the files have something and you know i do think they have like things that are quite useful and i think for people who study um you know study platforms or who care about like platforms and online governance and stuff Mm. like i do think that even like the sort even like the taibi files like have some important bits in there that are worth kind of thinking about on like a broader level um it's you know it could only really work again and it comes comes back to like it, this can only work if you can convince people that they have a stake in how platforms are run or mm. that they should have skin in the game and how platforms are run and like the problem is is that there was no sort of like pretense that musk or any of like the strategies he implemented kind of gave so as a result you kind of just have these very strange twitter threads which allude to elections or election for like a very small number of uh, of an already very small number of users actually really care about mm-hmm. um and i guess like i don't know I, i'm conscious that like we're kind of running short on time so i guess my last question to you mike um and i don't know if phoebe has any more questions after this one but like i guess my last question is just like is what impact do you think that these files would have or might have do you kind of feel that mm-hmm. this is sort of a missed opportunity in some ways like instead of having a like a conversation or having some like dialogue about what 
platforms are and like how they sort of shape our online experience and like how they like how their monopolization really narrows like the things that every user can do like I don't know whether that's kind of just lost in the ether because everyone, including someone like Matt Taibbi, who like not that long ago, I think would have been able to sort of at least like advocate for the former now has to sort of play this game of like, you know, this matters to you on like a very small political level and nothing else. I I mean, I do think it's a missed opportunity. I think there are, you know, one thing that folks have been railing mostly against Facebook for a while because it's a larger operation and um, and I think like just by nature of most normal people use Facebook compared to folks being on Twitter. So they they um, I mean, news about Facebook generally gets more attention and like folks, I think the average like 54 year old white guy in Idaho is probably on Facebook and probably not on Twitter. Right. And so like there's more attention right, to that yeah. focus uh, there. But it makes it, it's sort of like, I think, a blunder in the sense that if you wanted to give transparency into the operation, which I think has utility, um, you could probably do that in a better way with less inept people and like an actual plan to do it, you know, and mm. and um, this is the type of transparency that. Uh, folks have been asking Facebook for for a while that they are not willing to give. They give, and part of that, I guess, they hide behind like, you know, privacy issues, and they don't want their employees targeted or whatever. But I still think there's ways to do it where you could, let's say, um, let's say, redact names and show what these conversations mm-hmm. look like, and and the more, you know, ideally, you know, discounting like people who are cooked and conspiracy theorists anyway. Ideally, the more sunlight you give on the um, daily boring work of how moderation works, um, the the better it is for folks to see that it's not uh, necessarily a grand conspiracy or root out problems yeah. in the process that you think aren't working and should be changed or whatever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I said this um, probably like halfway through, I tweeted this like halfway through some of the Twitter dumps uh, it's like, look, I think there's real value in transparency and having discussions about it, but it's a one-sided fucking conversation when the other half is like pure conspiracy theorists who find fault in everything or who think it's all sort of like a plot against uh, one particular uh, political side or ideology. And so um, the folks who are following Barry, the folks who are following Taibi and... Um, you know, the, the Schellenberger dude uh, already sort of have grievance-based politics that are going to make having any sort of conversation just mm. super difficult. Um, mm. I also, just quickly, Phoebe, what you were saying, I absolutely think he has wanted a media platform for a long time, and I think uh, he tried to buy The Onion, funnily enough, on a whim a while ago. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah. Oh he literally God. tried to buy the onion, and uh, I think the staffers were interested and then horrified after they met him. But um, that's, that's so funny. Can I you know. imagine? <laughs> can you imagine the onion following the Elon editorial directive? <laughs> that is that now, now that that's so would funny. be the funniest thing that he's ever done. <laughs> like. Th- that's Finally, so I would admit that he has done something funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fucking crazy. Um, yeah. I think it also is a trend among Silicon Valley elite moguls, VC class, 
who do kind of who have gradually over the past, let's say, three to four years, come to hate the mainstream media, feel persecuted by it. Like Elon is probably the most public facing person who voices this. But people like Mark Andreessen, the you know, the venture capitalist, people like um, even like folks like Zuckerberg, Bezos is being more vocal about it. They feel like the mainstream media is against them and one-sided and prints lies and are more supportive of this sort of like bottoms up um, populist version of covering things. And look, I have a lot of media criticism that I think is a good thing and that should make media better over time. And like British press is a whole other animal that I don't even know how to dive Mm. into. But like, um, I think this stems from a, a general resentment and pushback really embodied in the New York Times and tech coverage from the New York Times of how much they hate the New York Times now um, in Silicon Valley and more support for um, bottoms up, quote unquote, journalism that I think Elon really has leaned into a lot these days. But like mm. just the, the execution is really poor and the folks mm. that he's gotten to who he's enlisted to do it is you know, of course he would he would say you're biased, but I just think they're the wrong folks to do it. Just let it all out there, you know, do it responsibly, but don't give it to like the dumbest people on earth. Give it to like <laughs> responsible people or give it to everyone and then you can figure it out, you know? Yeah. So don't give it to like the idiot A team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. I mean, this was the other thing too. And like, this doesn't need to be sort of be a long point, but it was more just like for people who, and you know, like some, some of the people who were like openly very supportive of like, with, you know, what, how Elon sort of done, did this and kind of, you know, was working there or at least sort of like presented the fact that they were convinced that, Oh, you know, he's doing this for the sake of transparency and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, the argument would have sort of necessitated, well, like, why don't you sort of make the API like more openly accessible? Why don't you t- kind of like turn more of Twitter into, you know, or allow sort of Twitter to be open source? Mm. Like there are kind of ways in which you can sort of present transparency in like a much more logical way. Mm. And it's just very evident. Like, and again, it's not worth engaging in because it's like not a kind of good faith argument. Um, but even on that point, it was just like, well, if you want a transparent platform and if you think that's sort of like the way in which you create like a more healthy social media environment, then like give like handing it off to like four people who like, you know, one of whom like is kind of like a qualified reporter, but the rest sort of, you know, or like, I don't know, Matt maybe, but like, you know, a lot of those people who are not kind of, who exist in a sort of media climate, which isn't like doesn't and doesn't lend itself to report like you know reportage and especially not someone like barry weiss like it does doesn't you know yeah if you're gonna like make it more open source then like make it more open source i don't don't know like that (laughs) kind of feels like the big no that's 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 as simple as you can put it you know do it safely and um don't fucking get like your employees attacked or killed or whatever by by having because they're Mm. gonna be gone after you know there's a way to do it less sloppily but it's just not how not in his genes or whatever i don't know (laughs) yeah and and like if the conversation is okay well then how do we what like how do we replicate this sort of thing at scale and what kind of resources do we need to make this truly (laughs) open source then that is an interesting set of questions which yes. these people are uniquely ill-equipped to answer. <laughs> yeah. So Again, I think that's sort of what comes to... I'm just F-team. picturing them doing... I'm just... 
I'm just picturing them doing like like the Suicide Squad slow walk, but then like one of them like falling in a bin while they're doing it. Um, Another person getting yeah. distracted by like a, a <laughs> yeah, bird. Just like, Ooh! <laughs> yeah, one of them reading like a Babylon Bee tweet and being like, "Now this, now this That's is satire. Funny. This, this is this, this is, is yeah, funny. This is the good shit. This is the good shit." Oh, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have any more questions. I think I have, I think I have, uh, but ba- I think I have babbled quite enough on this uh, on this episode. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean. Also, we do have a part two coming up. So like, you know, uh, listen to that. But yeah, I feel like we should wrap up only because uh, uh, we've kept Mike quite long. And also it's quite late in the UK. Like we don't usually record at this time. Uh, So uh, very new one for us. No, no, no. No, I mean, this was, this was great. And actually, like, you know, uh, I think this was like a really good conversation and something about, and I think like, you know, it was really good to have you on, like, uh, and we'd love to have you back at some point. Like it'd be, uh, un- unfortunately, we are going to have to talk about this platform and this man, like, regardless of how much we try to like, avoid it. We are trying to like, spe- we are trying to space it out a bit. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, this yeah. year, I feel like we like towards the end, the tail end of last year, we sort of spoke about him too much. Too much. Um, and, oh my God. And, and when he just kept doing stuff, that was the problem. So anyway, like we will space out, but like, Mike, we'd love to have you back on but in the meantime if people want to like follow your work or uh even read your book uh which i forgot to plug but it's called super pumped uh the battle for uber um and i read uh i read some of it uh when it came out and i need to read the rest of it but the sum i read was very very good oh, thank you. um how can they uh how can they do that uh yeah no, no so i'm uh and part of me would be willing to stay on this podcast all day because i'm currently trying to write another book and procrastinating and not doing it <laughs> but um, yeah. uh yeah, I'm on. I'm actually on sabbatical, but I go back to Times next next week, I guess. So I'll just, you know, if you ever want to read my tech coverage, I read a lot about Twitter, Facebook, um, Silicon Valley in general. Uh, Super Pump is out in in the UK and Norton actually is uh, the publisher, and then uh, and then in basically a bunch of different countries. Or if you want the TV version, that's on Showtime or Paramount. And I'm trying to write this book on Facebook, but uh, I forgot how much writing a book fucking sucks. So I'm just going to... Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's really, really awful. But hopefully that'll be out uh, next year. But um, Cool. Um, and yeah, you guys should give me your addresses. I'll totally send you a copy if you don't have one anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, I'd love yeah, that. That'd no, be great. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd be great. We will do that. Um, in the meantime, uh, thank you for listening to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, I also forgot to plug uh, because I am sick, so don't get mad at me. But we have a Patreon bonus content. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash 10k post podcast. Five bucks a month, you get like lots of cool bonus content, including some very cool stuff coming up pretty soon. Um, and also all the support uh, you give us help us, uh, yeah, helps us to do the show, helps us to also like not run ads on the show, which like we don't want to do. We don't want to do ads for lots of different reasons, uh, but also because like I feel we're not going to be advertising like cool stuff. We'll just be advertising like, um, shit on yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be advertising influencer notebooks. Uh, and, like, but, not, but importantly, uh, not our influencer notebooks. And not our, yeah, we should be really advertising cool our influencer and which, you should, and which you should definitely order. I have so many ideas for them. Anyway, like, uh, yeah, so all, all your support prevents us from having to do like mattress ads and all that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. we really appreciate that. You can follow me at H. Kizvani uh, on every social media platform that you, uh, that you have. Uh, yeah. Um, Phoebe, uh, want to do your plugs before we get out? Um, you can follow me on Twitter at prhroy. You can find me on Instagram at Phoebe underscore Rosa underscore Holly. Everything's locked, but you can uh, you can send me a request, and I will get round to reviewing the requests at some point. Um, 
I'm like, I'm busy with my notebook range, so <laughs> don't don't pressure me <laughs> on getting to my getting to my follow requests. I'm, you know, trying to kind of let the energy and energy and the light in. Um, me and Milo Edwards do a Seinfeld podcast, which is called Masters of Our Domain, which you can find on Twitter at Masters of Pod, where we post episodes and so on and so forth. Um, I think that's all my yeah. plugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I am. This week, it's in. It's on my to do list. I'm setting up my fucking Substack, so that's going to happen, and I'll have the plug for that next episode. We're excited. We're, We're excited. All for very that. excited. Um, it's all just going to be about. It's all just going to be about the mattress topper that I bought in the in the January sales, which is actually <laughs> like it's actually changed my fucking life. It's so good. Like, I, am, I don't even. Yeah. I don't even need to be paid to advertise this mattress <laughs> topper. Say. I'll advertise it off my own back. It's <laughs> so good. Native <laughs> content right there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, just a final note, this show is produced by Devin. You can follow them at Devin underscore on Earth. You can also listen to their podcast, which is called Kill James Bond. It is very good. You should check it out if you haven't already. Um, and I think that's it. So we'll catch you on the next one in the bonus one, part two of this series. Uh, and we'll catch you later. So have a good one. Bye. 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 Uh, I didn't have enough time to double check if I was allowed to do this, so I haven't. But if you could just quickly Spotify the song Jailbreak the Tesla by Injury Reserve Feet Harmony uh, and just pretend I ended the episode with that, that would be fantastic. Thank you. All right, love you.